This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. I am still living with your ghost. Your home for the Oklahoma State Cowboys is the Blitz 1170. And that's right tonight, coming up at 5.30. We leave a tad bit early for ORU in Stillwater here on the Blitz 1170 with Cowboy Baseball. Rex and the Chief on the air again at 5.30 here on the Blitz. All right, let's uh, check in with Dean Rule from the Tulsa World joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. Dean, how is your Tuesday going? Hey, it's another Tuesday and. Bright and sunny Stillwater, America. We're just living the dream out here. Yes, you guys are. So uh, let's start with basketball. Who's staying? Who's going? Who's coming in? There's there's a lot that's happening right now with Oklahoma State basketball. We we know a couple of the guys like John Michael Wright that are going to stick around, but it's been a busy transfer uh, season for Oklahoma State basketball so far. Yeah, it has. I mean, you got a trio of guys who have been – you know, however you want to view Musa Cisse, but Caleb Boone, Avery Anderson have been in the program for four years and, and they're going to go test the water somewhere else. And, you know, I, I don't think it's surprising at this point um, that you've got guys leaving, especially guys who have been around a little bit because Mike Boynton was candid that, hey, they're going to, there are going to need to be changes in this roster if they're going to keep, you know, if they're going to reach the level they want to reach. And so to see some of these guys go, um, I guess if you're an OSU fan, you, you probably don't want to see some of these these people wear a different uniform next year. But regardless, Mike Boynton made it known changes were going to happen. We're seeing those changes happen. Um, they've been obviously fielding a bunch of different – or they've been talking to a bunch of different kids in the portal already. And there's some interesting names out there that they've, they've been linked to. And it's it's – it's in flux and it's at a weird point because you're seeing a bunch of guys go and you haven't seen the, the new ones come in, but I think they're still trying to balance all that and figure out what it's going to look like. From the CSA standpoint, does it make it easier knowing that you have a McDonald's All-American Center coming in to join the team next year? I, that seems to maybe, I don't know, put some ointment on the wound at least. Oh, 100%. And, you know, this class that they're bringing in is very – forward heavy so when you look at the three forwards they had with Caleb Boone and Musa Cisse and uh, Tyreek Smith you figured not all three of them were going to come back my guess just kind of chatting with people I thought two were going to go and one was going to stay Cisse going surprised me a little bit because from my understanding he's only a way to play next year now I don't know how many credits he has and maybe he can graduate before next year so then he can be a graduate transfer i don't know where, where that's all that i don't know academically um but if he doesn't graduate then he'll need a transfer because he already transferred in from memphis so that one surprised me a little bit yep. i would assume you know tyree smith stays but you never know in the in the portal age anything can happen and, and if he goes then you really got to rebuild this whole thing but yeah bringing in brandon garrison is huge and i think you know, I don't know what OSU's plan is with him. I don't know if OSU knows what their plan with Brandon Garrison is going to be just yet. But I think what you could do with him and what he really possesses is, you know, everybody's looking for that dynamic stretch four. 
and if you could get in, go in the portal and you could find a big center, somebody that can really anchor you down low, and you put Brandon Garrison out at the four, I think you could really create a dynamic, um, you know, down down low. You could really do something. But yeah, ha- having him come in eases the pain a little bit, and and we'll see how the rest of that class uh, kind of rounds out. But Losing Cisse is is interesting, and and where he ends up going, you know, he's going to field a, a ton of interest from all kinds of schools. But him going is is interesting to say the least. And it does kind of open up, well, another scholarship that they could potentially use inside the transfer portal, where we know that they're active right now. I know the East Carolina kid was looking at coming in, but it does free them up a little bit more, even still with another year of the sanctions. Yeah, and. You know, they could still, if they wanted, um, with the scholarship production, they could, since they took two this year, and they have to take three over three years, what they could do this upcoming year, if, if they feel it's necessary, they could use all scholarship spots this year and then take the last reduction the following, the following year, year. If, if they want. And mm. Mike Boynton talked about that a little bit. He said it's really just going to come down to what the roster looks like this summer and where they're at, and they'll make that decision later on. Um, but that, that is an option they have. If they feel they need that last scholarship spot this year, they can take it. Um, if they're comfortable with where they're at, they'll get they'll knock it out this year and be done with it all. But, yeah, you assume there's going to have to be people in the portal that they go after. I mean, with the way college basketball rosters are built right now, that is, that's how it goes. I mean, you want the older guys. You want experience. Look at all these Final Four teams. They all had that fourth you know, fourth year, fifth year, even, you know, 60 year guys who were starting and playing the bulk of the minutes. And I think that's why college basketball, the in March Madness was so crazy this year, because that's the way that these things go now. Um, so you, you have to assume that they're going to go after some guys. They do have a big uh, high school recruiting class this year. So it'll be interesting, but yeah, there's, there's going to be some movement for them in the portal for sure. All right, let's move to football. Uh, Mike Gundy spoke yesterday uh, what were some of your takeaways from Sir Gundy as he addressed the media there in Stillwater? You know, I think we're, we've hit the point where he's pretty much said everything he could say uh, during spring practice, and it's always optimistic. He, you know, everybody's everybody looks good, everybody looks great. It's just about keeping them healthy. That, that that's kind of the the message uh, at this point in spring spring football, but. You know, I think what's been super interesting to to watch with OSU in the in spring has been this defense as they're making these defensive scheme changes and going from a four two five defense to a three three five defense and Brian Nardo and you know everybody wants to say he's he's a wonderkin and you know he's he's thirty seven and he's stepping into this and Mike Gundy said that it's been a pretty seamless transition to him. He's got all these extra staff members he's never had before and kind of is able to dissipate the work among them. But it, it's been interesting, and I, and I think how it looks next season is going to be super crucial to OSU's success because I think year one, the goal is to keep the defense kind of simple, not to where it's easy to figure out, but to where these guys can comprehend the scheme changes and understand what's going on, but also have success in it. And then, you know, obviously put on, continue to build and, and, and make it great uh, as Mike Gundy wants it over the the coming years. Kind of like with Jim Knowles when his first year, you know, it wasn't the greatest defense ever. 
But by year four, they had that locked down, and it was one of the nation's best. And so now you're back to year one of trying to build some, build up a new system. And I think it's going to be super interesting. And if they can get it to click how they want it to, I think it could be a pretty big factor in, in how their season goes. Is there as much hype around this Justin Kirkland kid as what everyone's making their, making it out to be right now? It's It's fascinating because I didn't think that was – not that he's – a bad player by, by any means, but he's young. He's a, he's a big kid. I mean, he's, I don't have his numbers, but he's over, you know, three, he's like 340 pounds. He's a big kid. He red shirt freshman coming from Utah tech. I, I thought he would have been one of the guys that you go into the portal and you get to maybe bring in in a to really have make big contributions in a couple of years. But people like him and people really think that he could do something, something special for OSU. Um, He's got the body to do it. It's hard to tell in spring practice, especially the parts that, you know, OSU lets the media stick around for. You can't really tell much about how these guys are performing. But, no, the the hype is real for him. And they've got a ton of depth at nose guard now that they're not playing two defensive tackles. They're playing just one. Uh, so they got a bunch of depth there. But he seems to be kind of standing out a little bit, I guess, in the coach's eyes this spring. What about this uh, young group of linemen that they have coming in you know in the constant effort to try to build some type of depth everyone in the country does but Oklahoma State has stood out in that aspect quite a bit here over the last couple of years just with all of the different questions that they've had about O-line I mean let's just be honest the OSU offensive line has not been a uh, bright spot over the past couple of years but Mike Gundy said you know for the past two years, they haven't been healthy there, and they're finally healthy, and he's excited for it. And Once again, that goes back to the, oh, it's spring practice. Everybody's excited about everybody. Um, how that translates in August and September uh, it remains the question, but he says that they've got about eight guys right now that they could play and not you know, miss a step. Uh, and he said that number could even go up to 10. And when we get to 10, that means you have two sets of offensive linemen that you think are all capable of going in there and, and you're not dropping off in, in your level of play, which is pretty, it's an impressive thing to say. And that's, that's a high uh, standard. If that's true, some of those, yeah, like you said, some of those are younger players like Jacoby Sanders, who uh, comes from Stewart. I mean, Mike Gundy says he's probably the strongest kid on the team and he's, a, he, he's still supposed to be in high school and he's apparently the strongest kid on the team. Uh, and so he, he'll set in at center, and I don't think he'll start. But regardless, they, they got depth, which is what they needed, because that's what's killed them the past two years, is they've had no depth on that O-line. And offensive linemen get beat up. Offensive linemen need to sit out a game because they get, so, they get injured. And having depth that's viable and you can rely on them to step in and keep the consistency up is important. And Mike Gundy seems to think that they have that this year. I did want to ask, I should have asked this question before we got to the offensive line, but in particular, linebacker. Um, curiosity is, uh, I think, high there at the linebacker spot this year. You know, Justin Wright is at least familiar with scheme that they're trying to do, and he's helped a few guys along the way there. But how does that position at least, or how's it being talked about right now from Gundy and crew? Yeah, so the the strong part of the linebacker core is their experience. 
Um, yeah, like you said, Justin Wright knows what a three-three-five defense is. He knows how it's played. But he's also stepping into a new program. That's going to take some time to adjust to. You've got Colin Oliver, who's shown he's got all the talent in the world. But now you're putting him back at linebacker, a position he hasn't played since high school. There's going to be some growing pains there, especially in a three-three-five defense that he doesn't know anything about. Uh, and then you got Xavier Benson, who's more than likely probably going to be the, the third starter there. And, again, he transferred in a year ago. So you've got – and he, he's an older guy, but regardless, you've got a lot of experience there. You've got a lot of talent there. Now it's just going to be getting it to work and making sure these guys are all on the same page because that's going to be such an important part of the defense is what you – know, in a 3-3-5 scheme, that linebacker group needs to be versatile and athletic. And you've got guys that have the build and the ability to do that, but can they do it successfully and consistent, consistently is going to be the question. Last one. Can't be an interview without asking the quarterback position, for crying out loud. How's Bowman's transition been? He's looking good. I mean, I've said it probably all spring. As long as Alan Bowman can do things consistently and do, make smart decisions and take care of the football, he's probably the starter just based on his age and experience because everybody else is young. There's a lot of talent in there, but everybody else is young. Um, I still would say I would favor him, but Garrett Randell's right there too. I, I think that's what – it's going to come down to one of, one of those two guys. They're not going to say for obvious, you know, they're, they're going to – OSU is going to do their absolute best not to put out a depth chart because you don't want any of these guys hopping in the portal when it opens in, what's the day, the 10th? So it opens on the 15th. So you start putting out depth charts, kids might get upset, and if they're not on that one or two line, they might hit the portal. And I think you're going to see that across all of college football. You're not going to see teams put out a depth chart because with the way the portal works and these windows, you might have kids kids jump out, especially in, in April when, you know, if you lose a guy in January, you can still go in the portal and replace him and put him through spring practice and be able to, you know, put some – it's a Band-Aid on a, on a situation. But now if you have kids going in April, you're not going to be able to replace him in time, even if you go back into the portal. So regardless, the, the Dean Rule depth chart would probably say Alan Bowman – 1A, Garrett Rangel 1B, but I think, and just the way my goodness talked, I think this goes all the way through summer. They're not going to have somebody set in stone until, you know, a week before the first game. Dean, good stuff, buddy. Appreciate you jumping on with us here on the Blitz 1170, uh, as you always do, and uh, can't wait to uh, read more of your work there at the Tulsa World. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's Dean Rule joining us here on the Blitz 1170, live from the Ike Chili House Studios, serving four generations of Tulsans since 1908. All right, we need to take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll take a little peek at the NBA, a few little items as we get set for play-in games beginning tonight. That's all coming up next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.